Well, our text tonight is Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 4. And I've titled this message, It is Important to Finish Well in the Last Days. Now, could be the last days of till the rapture. Okay, that's, what, that's the next last days we're looking at, it's the rapture. Or it could be the last days of your own life. But whichever it is, you want to finish well because within a second after death, you're before the Lord. If you're saved, you meet the Lord. Otherwise, you meet the torments of hell. So with that idea, we're looking at Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 4. And there we read this. They that forsake the law praise the wicked. But such as keep the law contend with them. Well, let's have a word of prayer, then we'll look into the message for tonight. Now, Father, this is your word, and it's my duty to preach it as it is to men as they are, and that's what I want to do tonight, Lord. And so just help me to rightly divide your word, but I realize my inadequacy, but I know the Spirit has never been inadequate, and neither has your word. So I pray that Spirit would take this message home to every heart tonight, in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Well, as we look again here at our text, it says, they that forsake the law. You know, one of the things that have happened in our day that happens among many Christians, I wonder where they get this sometimes. I know where they're getting it. They're getting it from false prophets. But nonetheless, uh, they'll say, well, they've done away with the law. And Jesus completely said it. I mean, he made it clear. He didn't mince words. He says, I didn't come to do away with the law. I came to fulfill it. He fulfilled it. People in the Old Testament never got saved by keeping the law. You say, how do you know that? Nobody could keep it. They didn't get saved by keeping the law. Nobody could keep it. So how did they get saved? They were going on the promise that God made to Adam and Eve that a seed would come that would pay the penalty for their sin. And so all these sacrifices, what they were doing, they were looking to what Jesus was going to do. He said, but what about all those laws? All those laws were in there, and, and, and we're not under a lot of those today, are we? Well, understand, uh, the law was there to show them that they are sinners. We're all sinners. Now, you say, well... I just don't think the law has anything to do with us today. Okay, go out and kill somebody. Thou shalt not kill is part of that law. Huh? I mean, you can justify a whole lot of sin by saying, well, that's, that's under the Old Testament. No. There are things, yeah, we don't keep the ceremonial law. We're not offering. You say, well, aren't we offering sheep still then? Because the Lamb of God's already been offered. He took care of it all. So we don't have to worry about that. But he does say here, they that forsake the law, praise the wicked. But such as keep the law, contend with the, them. In other words, you live by the word, you stand on the word, you speak the word, you'll be contending with the wicked. You see, we are told in the New Testament, by the way, to contend for the faith. Now the law God gave to Moses 
is still God's word. He said it's forever settled in heaven. He says heaven and earth would pass away before even one jot or tittle the law would pass away. So understand, I think the heaven and earth is still here, so that law has not passed away. Do we offer sacrifices? Do we all do? No. So we said this true sacrifice has been offered for our sin. We must receive it. We must accept it. But that was still a holy word that God delivered unto Moses that he gave to the people. Uh, as one reads our text this evening, you do see some interesting things. But I want us to see some things that uh, really are missed today by a lot of Christians. You know, I, I'm not on Facebook. If you search for me on Facebook, you might find a lot of things there, but I'm not on Facebook myself. I don't have a Facebook account. I don't uh, do Facebook. And from things that people tell me, I would be mad all the time. I'd be angry all the time, okay? So I'm not on Facebook. You say, are you against Facebook? No, these services are going out over Facebook. These very services right now, we're going out over Facebook. No, I'm not against Facebook. Uh, but I get told things that are on Facebook, and a lot of times it's about Christians. And it's way out there. I mean, it is way out there. Uh, someone... Uh, you know, calls himself a Christian, a godly man, a godly person, a, a man of God, or whatever they want to do. But they'll come out and they'll say, you know, one of the ones I heard recently was, you need to go to the bars and support them because they're going to go out of business. Even if you don't drink alcohol, at least go there and buy a Coke or something, you know, and, and, and support them. Now, we know that anybody that does that is not a man of God, they're not godly, they're not right. They need prayer more than they need anything. However, when what I was told, that wasn't the bad thing I was told. The bad thing I was told is there were Christians that actually <laughs> went on the Facebook page and put a like on it. They like that and they say, I'm a fundamentalist. Oh, I'm a godly Christian. Uh, in your opinion, you probably are but not in God's. Now, hopefully nobody in here did that. I mean, hopefully, our, hopefully our people would know better than that. Uh, and by the way, let me just say this. If I've already got myself in trouble, I'm going to get myself in more trouble as we go along, so I might as well do it all the way. But uh, I've found that um, one of the biggest tragedies of the day that was different when I was growing up in the 50s and 60s is this. Our preachers have quit railing against the alcohol crowd. All of a sudden, it's all right to go ahead and destroy homes, families, and everything else with that. There's a reason alcohol is called spirits. Because devils are spirits. And they're behind it. Now, we're going to see some scriptures on that in a little bit. But I just want you to understand... Uh, the preachers need, I grew up in that. You know, isn't it interesting? Fundamental independent Baptist churches began to blossom and grow because they had preachers that were railing against sin and calling people to the Lord. And now, it's, well, you shouldn't preach that way because that's negative and you'll just drive them away. Somebody's on the way to hell. You can't drive them any further than that. We're out to rescue the perishing, not to let them go to hell. 
That, that's our job. That's our responsibility. And if we have a love in our heart for Christ, that's what we will do. And so they that forsake it, they praise the wicked. That's not the Lord they're praising. It's the wicked they're praising. But if you keep the law, you're contending with them. If, in other words, if you keep God's word, you're contending with them. Now, keep it in mind, the law was filled with morals, ethics, and principles that transcends all periods of time and history. We call our Constitution built on the Judeo-Christian ethic. A lot of those morals in the Old Testament law are still true today. That was the Judeo-Christian ethic. If anything, the commands for Christians are stronger in the Word of God in the New Testament than even the Old Testament. I mean, the Old Testament said, love your neighbors yourself. That's pretty strong. But stronger than that, Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. <laughs> Jesus loved them more strongly than you could love yourself. So understand that uh, the New Testament brought us in a stronger law. We're saved by grace. We are saved by grace. Don't do disgrace to grace by taking away from any part of the Word of God. Never take part of it. Again, I, I had a person, I was going through the book of 1 Samuel. Why do you preach from the Old Testament? And he said it in a very sarcastic, scornful way. I said, oh, is it not the Word of God? And it was almost like he got shocked. He went, it is the Word of God. Then I need to preach it. I was told to preach the Word. You know, all the New Testament guys and the apostles there, you know, they were ones that were writing the New Testament up till A.D. 90s. Okay? So what were they preaching? They are preaching the Word. When the people heard Paul preaching in Acts, the people... In Berea, it says they were more noble than those at Thessalonica, and they searched the Scriptures. What Scriptures were they searching? They didn't have their New Testament. They were searching the Old Testament Scriptures. See if what he was saying was right. And it was, because he was showing the continuity. The Old Testament and the New Testament aren't two separate things that, that contradict one another. The Old Testament built up to the New Testament. That New Testament is a fulfillment of the things that were prophesied in the Old. So again, uh, when we see these things that are going on today, the law, the morals, the principles, the, they transcend all times, all, all times of history. It's up to us to stick by the word that we might finish well. Never, never, never apply God's Word to justify the flesh. Never do that. Don't use the words grace and liberty to justify the desires and the works of the flesh. Jude, verse 4 calls that turning the grace of God into lasciviousness. 
anything goes. No law. No restrictions. You say, well, why do you say that, preacher? Because I want you to finish well. I'm not blessed if you don't finish well. It's not a good thing to me. Well, they opposed me all the way. Since they opposed me, I hope they mess up all the way to, you know. No, I don't. That's the wrong attitude to have. I hope they get right. So never apply those words in that way. Because, you see, understand that because of false prophets and others, grace and liberty has been a, become a part of the contemporary philosophy of life and religion. It's their way, and there's no other way to say it. It often ends up as what's described in Isaiah chapter 5, verses 20 through 23. There I read this. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. And by the way, do you know the context there is, is uh, more of an ending in times that we're living in today? You know, and it says that call good evil, uh, good evil, that put darkness for light. Think about that. Darkness in the Bible is representative of sin. We talked about the darkness of hell. Outer darkness. That's justifying the flesh. Now we can do these things. We've got liberty. What's wrong with you, preacher? Light represents holy. You know, all these things they try to justify, whether it's rock and roll in church, whether it's their social drinking or anything else, for some reason or another, you don't see any of it is holy. You see, they're putting darkness for light and light for darkness. Oh, now that's bad. You're a legalist. They put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. I've arrived. Hey, we know those, those ignorant Christians, you know, those ignorant fundamentalists, they just don't know what they're talking about. No. It just says they know philosophies of wicked men more than they do the Word of God. You see. Woe unto them that are mighty to drink wine and men of strength to mingle strong drink. We'll say more about that later. Which justify the wicked for reward and take away the righteousness of the righteous from him. Again, that defines contemporary religion today. Churches with standards still have them in this day. You think that if all the rioting, all the destruction that's going on in this country, all the murder, all the drugs, all the sex trafficking and everything else going on in this country, if we'll lose our standards as, as a church, if we'll just lose all those standards and quit preaching against sin, everybody's going to be right with God and be saved. Even the people that drank Jim Jones's Kool-Aid were smarter than that. Okay? We're wise because somebody's used $25 words to make us 
be convinced. $25 words mean nothing in comparison to the Word of God. The power, the power is in the Word of God. So when people use words as legalistic, it's used about things that used to be a standard. They have swallowed the Kool-Aid of Satan. They have swallowed the Kool-Aid of the world. They have praised the wicked now that they might fulfill the desires of the flesh. And my friend, when you're witnessing to somebody, but you're living in Jude 4, turning the grace of God into lasciviousness. What are you converting them to? What are we converting them to if we do that? I, look, I've heard people tell me, well, I see nothing wrong with smoking a, uh, a cigar of victory to celebrate a victory or having a social drink. Well, then tell God that. Lord, you, boy, you really messed it up, God. He said, strong drink is raging. He said, wine is a mocker. God, you got it all messed up. He said, I would never say that. Well, hopefully you wouldn't be that stupid to say that. But your actions say it. See, he didn't say, if you get drunk with strong drink, then it's raging. If you get drunk with wine, it's a mocker. He didn't say that. He didn't say anything about drunkenness in that verse. That's Proverbs 21, by the way, verse 1. He just says what it is. And by the way, not every time you see the word wine in the Bible is it referring to alcoholic beverage. Many times it referred to grape juice while it was still in the grape. Usually you can tell by the, uh, by the context. For an example, we drink juice at communion. We don't drink wine. Why? Because the blood of Jesus Christ is represented by that wine. It had nothing, nothing whatever of corruption in it. The blood of Jesus was pure and holy. Wine is just like leaven. It's a product of decay. And you, get, you can get to squeeze some pure apple juice. Set it in the sun and let it sit there for a few days. And guess what? There's decay. And you can get drunk on it. So understand, the product of decay does not represent the Lord Jesus Christ in his shed blood. It just doesn't do it. There are those that will try to justify those things. But it is still wrong in God's sight. Now, since the Bible is errorless, it is preserved, it is immutable, that is, it changes not because God changes not, then these self-evident truths in God's Word transcends all time. Therefore, live every day of your life with eternity Set in your heart according to the Word of God. Several years ago, I preached, have eternity set in your heart. 
And I preach it much just like I said now, you know. If it's in, with the Word of God, you're going to be called an account to, to God. You must live by the Word. I had a man, and the man actually was an ordained preacher. But he heard me say it. Boy, he was upset. Fundamental independent Baptist, but he was upset. He said, I heard you say in the sermon, have eternity set in your heart. I said, yes, I did. You should never say that. I said, why not? He says, because I had heard that phrase before, and I always wondered what it meant. So after you said it, I went and looked it up. I typed it in, and I looked it up. I Googled it, and it uses that term in the NIV. I said, so? <laughs> There's a lot of words in the NIV that we use today that is probably not in the King James, and vice versa. So, so what are you getting at? So you don't think we should have eternity set in our heart and God will, yeah, but you shouldn't say that phrase. And whenever I saw him in the crowd, I would say, uh, well, we should have in our inner man all of eternity set. You know what? He was happy with that. And I could see the looks on people saying, why does he say it that way? Because I'm trying to keep that guy from having a heart attack out there. It always disturbs the services when I do. So, I, I'm just saying, sometimes people will look at the craziest things to go a different direction. But what we need to see is that truth is always truth, and God does want eternity. Said, in other words, we're living in our lives with the idea, I'm going to appear before the Lord one day. I'm going to give an account. I better know this word so that eternity is set in my heart so that I can know how to answer my Lord that I will be pleasing unto him when I am reviewed and that is seen. We're never freed. Never ever are we freed to fulfill the desires of the old flesh. Rather, we are to stay true to the word. Never abandon righteousness and true holiness for the culture. Well, you don't understand, we live in a different day today. Yes, preachers quit preaching and now the world has gone more worldly. Church has gone more worldly. So we don't abandon righteousness and, and true holiness for the culture or the philosophies of man or the circumstances. Listen, I want to bless God, not the world. I want to obey God, not government. You know, when this COVID thing came in and they're canceling having churches, it, it wasn't unusual to either get emails or get people say, you know what so-and-so said? You know what, face <laughs> you know what Facebook said? The law of the government said you should not meet. I wasn't against anybody that didn't come. I, there's, there's some real fear out there about it. I didn't say a thing against those people. I just said, look, don't be down on anybody that doesn't come. Don't even, some get down on people that wear masks. No, don't be down on people that wears masks. But that verse, we're to obey our government. I said, yes, but what about John and Peter then? Were they in sin when they were told not to preach in the name of Jesus Christ, to hold services? 
Were they in sin? Were they filthy? Were they down trodden and rotten because they were preaching the word of God? When they were told, don't you preach in that name? Well, the answer, I believe, was from the Holy Spirit of God because we see it recorded in the Word. And he says, we ought to obey God rather than man. Whenever government and the Word of God conflict, you always go with the Word of God. It may cost you something. It may really cost you something. I like the way Paul Bunyan, I mean, he was in prison for years. But he said, I will stay in jail to the end of my days before I'll make a butchery of my conscience. That's a person with a real faith. That is real. That is true. That is living faith. And that's what we have to have. If we're going to live victorious and we're going to finish well, we've got to have that faith. I think of Daniel. Daniel, he was one of those that went into captivity with the children of Israel into Babylon. He was carried away. I'll tell you this, Babylon with all those others that were taken from there, from the palace and the other areas, every one of them kept the law about the kind of food they ate and everything, the dietary requirements that the law required in that day for the Jew. They kept it. I mean, they, they kept it. <clears throat> but when they got to Babylon, and they said, now you're going to eat the king's meat and drink his wine, and all the other guys said, well, you know, maybe a ham sandwich would be good. But they're going to they're gonna eat that meat, and they're going to drink his beverage. Daniel stands up and says, well, you know what? None of that's ever happened to me, and I'm not going to start. Now, he didn't get arrogant about it. He just told the guy that was the head of all the eunuchs, he said, look, at least test it for 10 days. At least test it for 10 days and see whether there's three of us now that have joined me, three that have joined me that will say, we're just going to eat that, what we're told to eat. You, you can give them the rest, all that other stuff that you think is so great. Well, the guy says, man, you're allowed to cost me my head, but we'll do it for 10 days. 10 days, they appeared fairer and fatter than the others. And when they went before the king of Babylon, they outdid the others. But what I'm saying is this, Daniel did not change his standards for the society, for the culture, or for the new thing that he was in. The Word of God was still the Word of God, and he would stand on the Word of God. There is something for all of us to learn from that. Uh, now again, he didn't abandon standards, even though that was the day that he lived in. God's Word must be very important to us. If we're really sincere, if we have a sincere heart in walking with God, a sincere heart weeps and laments bitterly over those secret and inward corruptions that are there but others will scarcely even acknowledge them to be sin, instead 
said we have liberty. In Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 30 and 31, you know, we think that the contemporary movement, boy, it's a new movement that's got, no. <laughs> it's back there in the Old Testament. You know, the music there, religion there in the Old Testament, Baal worship and all that, you know what? It was beat driven. Whether you realize that or not, they had to get those drums beaten real hard and loud so that uh, those people would offer their babies on a burning altar to the false god. That's what they did. They got that music going and they, they would do it. It, it. They'd get it worked up to a frenzy. What would they do? They would drink, get them drunk, and they'd do that. So think about that as we look at this in Isaiah, uh, Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 30 and 31. A wonderful, now wonderful doesn't mean a good thing. It means full of wonder. Wonderful could be something good, it could be something bad. Here is something bad. Full of wonder, just don't, it's hard to really comprehend. A wonderful and horrible thing is committed by the prophets. Prophesying falsely. And the priest bear rule. So here is a Horrible thing that is committed in the land. The prophets are prophesying falsely and the priests bear rule by their means. And my people love to have it so. And what will ye do in the end thereof? You know what he's saying? Okay, you prophets, you preachers. You got it started. It's all right to do this stuff now. This way they're doing it today. So we're going to do it. And the people who had grew up under the word, all of a sudden are saying, hey, man, I like this. It feels good. Man, we're free to do all these things. They got with it. But then, what happens? He says, what are you going to do in the end thereof? You see, one day, if you're saved, you're going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ. All these things will be brought up. We have something better than even what they had in the Old Testament. You know what that is? Today, we had not only the completed word of God, but a lot of us have more than just one copy of it in our house. You know what? For them to get the Word of God, they had to go down to the local synagogue. We have it in our house. Do we think that that exempts us from anything? It doesn't exempt us from anything. Some are going to be ashamed at His appearing that are saved. Some are going to have confidence. But if you decide to walk in the flesh and fulfill the desires of the flesh, you're going to be ashamed at his appearing. Saved so as by fire. Count the loss. You, what is the count the loss? Well, God had rewards already laid up for you. They'll be given to someone else. They'll be given to someone else. And you'll see the loss of reward. And you're going to live there for eternity. And God will have to wipe away all tears from your eyes. Because you wouldn't believe the, that part of it in this life because the flesh got victory in your life. And so, they love to have it so. In Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 15 through 17, were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? Nay. They were not at all ashamed. Neither would they blush. Things that people used to blush at, they don't blush anymore. 
Therefore, they shall fall among them that fall. At the time that I visit them, they shall be cast down, saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways and see and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? And walk therein and ye shall find rest for your souls. Um, they said, we will not walk therein. You want revival in America? You want the home saved? You want those things happening? You better go back to the old ways, the old paths. We've got to quit mollycoddling the, the world and trying to bring its standards into our, and just, oh, we make, it, we make it all right if we'll use their music and we'll talk like them and sound like them and we'll just put their sound to some of our words. We might use the name of Jesus that way. Boy, it makes it right. Forgive me of this illustration. Forgive me. I ask you to forgive me now, but it's true. It's right. Y'all know that there's a place where you have a dancers up there right off the interstate. Having John 3.16 tattooed on their body won't make it right. Well, going home and drinking, doing all these other things doesn't make it any better. Having that music in your church doesn't make it any better than somebody having John 3.16 on their body. He said, Pastor, I disagree with you. You're not agreeing or disagreeing with me. It's between you and God. I'm just delivering his message. That's what I am. I'm a messenger. I deliver the message of God. That's what I have to do. And so, he said, they wouldn't do that. They, they would not do that. He says, also, I set a watchman over you saying, hearken to the sound of the trumpet, but they said, we will not hearken. No, we like this stuff. We want to do it. And that's why you see it coming back. In Micah chapter 2, verse 11, if a man walking in the spirit and falsehood do lie, saying, I will prophesy unto thee of wine and destroying dr and, and strong drink. He shall even be the prophet of this people. You know, there's some people, what they called fundamental colleges, that wrote books that said about wine, you know, unless you got drunk, it was all right. Um, people said, that kind's going to be the prophet of my people. Hey, has contemporary movement grown? Yes. Has holiness and righteousness grown as a result? No. Has this country become a better country as a result? Absolutely not. Think. It's right before us. It's right before us. It's plain to see. Again, whenever you try to justify the flesh, it is never, never, never of the Holy Spirit of God. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 15. Woe to him that giveth his neighbor drink, that puttest the bottle to him, and maketh him drunken also, that thou mayest look 
on their nakedness. You ever hear the terminology, wine, women, and song? Listen, when I was a teenager, there were guys say, take him out, give him some wine. That, that impresses, wine impresses him. Say, don't use beer, use wine. That'll impress those girls. Get them drinking pretty good, then you'll loosen their morals. Turn on some of that music. Wine, women, and song. That's why they call it spirits. And then they've got regrets the rest of their life. There has the silly women in the book of Timothy, 1 Timothy, where that are in divers lust and suddenly led away by these wicked men. Now listen, what God says is best, is best, though all men in the world are against it. Don't be an advocate for the world. Because the world hates our Lord. They hate his word. This guy, these kind will always seek to justify the flesh. You see, evil men understand not judgment. But they that seek after the Lord understand all things. Now what should we do? Well, I think we start in Proverbs 28, 13. He that confesseth his sins, he that, no, excuse me, he that covereth his sins shall not prosper. But whoso confesseth and forsaketh shall have mercy. There's a key. That worked in the Old Testament, worked in the New Testament. There's two steps. Confesseth has the idea of leave nothing out. See it as sin. Don't try to justify and say, well, it's not that bad. Own up to your sin. God knows every intent and thought of our heart. Well, as long as only God knows it. Well, <clears throat> let me show you the end of that. If you're saved, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5. It's written to Christians. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts. Then shall every man have praise of God. Those sins you think you got away with, whether it's drinking, drugs, alcohol of any kind, uh, adultery, whatever, those things we thought you got away with, no, you didn't. Well, I, I ask God to forgive me. Well, when you've sinned against somebody, you need to get their forgiveness too. Oh, no, you don't understand. If I tell them what happened, they'll really be upset with me. They're going to find out if they're saved too. At the judgment seat, when nothing can be done, at least in this life, something can be done to make things right with them. Hidden things of darkness. So we're told there, confess and forsake. Don't try to cover them 
forsake them. That's a personal responsibility. The counsels of the hearts are made known. Those who sow discord, those that are trying to bring down a brother, trying to bring down a ministry or what have you, people they did not like, the intents of their hearts will be manifested and all will see. They'll see their scorn. They'll see all of that. And they're saved, but so as by fire, but ashamed at his appearing. So why did the verse end with, then shall we all have praise of God? And you wonder, well, Lord, how are we all going to praise you? How would everybody want to praise you after that? Well, I think that's when you see that you're only in heaven by the grace of God. You see how amazing his grace, that song, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. You'll realize how sweet that is when you get there. And then you too will have praise of God. Oh, yes. Confessing is one thing, but the important thing is that you forsake. Leave it all together. Forsaketh, that's the idea. Leave it all together. But that means there's a personal responsibility we have. That's why I said you can't just say, well, I just can't help it. That doesn't fly. If you're saved, you've got the very Holy Spirit of God dwelling in you, but you're grieving him, you're quenching him. But he's there. He wants to help you. The truth of the matter is, if you're honest, is that you just don't want the help. Proverbs 28 and verse 25 says it this way. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. Why do you do that? I just can't help it. Well, you're like a city broken down without walls. But that also means you've got a personal responsibility for God to do something about it. And yes, seek his help. Look, I've met people that have overcome drugs, alcohol, I've read the testimonies of those that they were homosexuals. There were Christians going around saying homosexuals can't be saved. Oh no, the blood of Jesus Christ is greater than all the sin of this world. He can save them and he can change them. All right? Never give up on a soul. In Proverbs chapter 29, verse 22, he says, an angry man stirreth up strife, and a furious man aboundeth in transgression. That guy goes around running other people down, running ministries down. What he's doing there is warning us to, against that kind of a person. Verse 27, an unjust man is an abomination to the just. But he that is upright in the way is an abomination to the wicked. I think if I'm going to be an abomination, I'd rather be to the wicked instead of to God, don't you? We're made in God's image. God is a spirit. Our spirit has a free will. We can either give in to the flesh, or if you're saved, you can give in to the Holy Spirit using his word who lives in you, can work through you. But it's our choice. Proverbs 28, 25 says, He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer 
shall be an abomination. If I turn my ear away from the Word of God, by that I mean I won't live by it. I'll ignore it. I won't allow it to be a part of my life. And, but I'm going to pray. My prayer is an abomination to God. You know, it's interesting, the day I was doing a study on homosexuality, I saw the Bible says it's an abomination. And then I was reading in Proverbs chapter 6 where it says to sow discord is an abomination. I said, that must be a different Hebrew word. It was not. It was not. It was just a stomach turning. I want to vomit to God as homosexuality, sowing discord. I don't want my prayer to turn God's stomach because I'm unjust. I don't want my prayer to be an abomination. I want to pray for my family. I want to pray for our church. Nothing happens if my prayer is an abomination. It must be important to us. So let me ask you the very question we started out with. It's important to finish well in the last days. If the rapture took place today, will you have finished well? Think about it. Well, you know, I had some sin in my past life. Yeah, but you got right with God. You can still finish well. But the rapture were today. Would you finish well? If you stay on the course that you're on right now, would you finish well? And you know that. Not because you feel it. Listen, I don't, go, I, I don't have to go on feelings. I've got the Word of God. Go by the Word of God. You say, Pastor, if you'd just get on Facebook, you'd find out so many other things that go on. That's why I'm not on Facebook. As I said, I'm not against people being on Facebook. I just, I don't want to try to figure out sins of other people. But I know Facebook doesn't take the place of the Word of God. There's a lot of people that spend more time on Facebook than they do in the Word of God. And it'll reflect in their Christian life. It'll reflect in their prayer life. Now look, I would get no, I don't care if somebody opposed me 1,000% of the time. I don't want them to be saved so as by fire. That would be so wrong. I want them to finish well. I want them to turn it around. I want them to be right with God. But on the other hand, still, the lowest spot in heaven, being saved so as by fire, I mean, nothing will be bad in heaven except our shameness. And God will have to drive away more and more tears. But even at that, what we might say is the worst place in heaven, I don't think there's a worse place in heaven. I don't think there's a bad place in heaven. But that's a billion times better than the best place in hell. If you're not sure if you died today that heaven's your home,
Don't worry a thing about what people will think. Because that won't stand before God when you stand before that great white throne and you're cast into the eternal lake of fire. I was afraid what people would think. They all thought I was saved and I really wasn't. Won't make a difference. Those people don't save you. God does. He saves you. You come to Him. Are you 100% sure if you died today that heaven's your home? If not, come to Him. Come to Him tonight. Let's bow our heads, please.